Good morning, in town. Today we're going to um, learn a bit about how to heal damaged relationships. Not only with other people, but the most important relationship that could be healed is our damaged relationship with the God who has made us and called us to be his own. Um, while we answer that question, we'll be answering the question, how do we see Jesus in the Old Testament? Uh, that's what we've been looking at over the summer. Uh, we, we've looked at five divisions of the Old Testament. Today is the fifth, the historical uh, Torah, or the books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, five books there. Uh, then the historical books, there are 12 of those in the Old Testament. And then the next section of the Old Testament you come to is the wisdom books, five of those, starting with Job and ending with the Song of Solomon. And then we came last week to the major prophets, five of those. Isaiah, Jeremiah, he also wrote Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And today we'll talk about the last section of the Old Testament, the minor prophets. Um, in Judaism, it's known as one book, the Book of the Twelve. It's twelve minor prophets. Did you catch that pattern? Fives and twelves, all of these sections are either five books or twelve books. Twelve minor prophets. The first three are Hosea, Joel, and Amos. And today we're going to use the book of Joel to help us look at a, a rhythm that is key throughout the minor prophets. It's the same rhythm that Mark, an early Christian writer who wrote the gospel by that name, uses to summarize the preaching ministry of Jesus. We'll look at this more in a couple of weeks. Here's what Mark had to say about Jesus preaching. Hey, Mark, you want to boil everything Jesus is saying down to one sentence? This, this is the sentence Mark gives us. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Gospel is a word that means good news. Repent and believe this good news. That rhythm this is a time of transition. Something is happening. Something is coming. It's going to bring a, a time of judgment. Jesus uses the phrase kingdom of God to talk about all of that. And Jesus then says, repent. And then he says the power to repent is somehow connected to this good news. And that's the same rhythm you'll see throughout the minor prophets. It's the same rhythm you'll see as uh, Tom reads for us in just a moment from Joel chapter 2. Joel is going to mention a time of transition. He won't say, he won't call it the kingdom of God. He'll call it the day of the Lord. And then Joel is going to say, now's the time to repent. The, the word he's going to use to call us to repent is return. That language of turning or returning, it occurs throughout the prophets, especially the book of the 12, the minor prophets. And then you'll hear Joel say, why? Why it is that we would want to return to this God. He's going to tell us good news about the God who is inviting us to repent before the day of the Lord. That's the rhythm we'll explore today. Along the way, we'll learn how to see Jesus in the Old Testament. We'll learn a lot about healing damaged relationship with God. It can help us heal damaged relationships with people as well. Tom, will you come read for us? Thank you. Today's scripture reading is from Joel chapter 2, 
verses 11 through 14. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, you teach us through your prophets and through your son that, um, that the day of the Lord is coming and you ask us who can endure it. Before this day is over, teach us the answer to that question, we pray. Amen. Okay, this might seem like a bit of a transition to go from day of the Lord prayer to um, Calvin and Hobbes. But um, Calvin and Hobbes uses his recurring theme of the dad pole. If you're not familiar with it, you know, go online and kind of Google dad poles, Calvin and Hobbes. And, uh, and they have this model built in of the need for change or what we might call repentance. And, and the theme that runs through all of these is that dad is not polling very well. His numbers are pretty low, right? Dad, your polls took a big dive this week. Calvin says the overall dad performance rating is really going down. And um, the implication is dad needs to change in order to make Calvin happy, right? Now, now dad resists this model of repentance that Calvin is assuming, that like, hey, you, you, you're, you're evaluating me constantly, and I'm not meeting the mark, so now i got to make you happy. Um, get my poll numbers up. Uh, you can tell from the big, thick black letters in the last panel that Dad is not embracing this model of repentance that Calvin is bringing, right? Um, Dad rejects that model of repentance. You and I should also. A model of repentance that says God's not happy with us and he wants us to get our poll numbers up with him. And then he'll be happier toward us. Let's replace that with a better model of what Scripture means when it calls us to return to the Lord using Joel's language or to repent using the language of Jesus from Mark 1. We'll start here with the day of the Lord and the, the thought that this is something more than we can endure. We're going to move from that to see, um, is, is there a way to endure? And if so, what's the power to pursue that way? The day of the Lord is mentioned in Joel 2.11, right? Um, Tom read for us this question, the day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful, who can endure it? The day of the Lord is a transition time, according to Scripture, between this age and the age to come, between life in this world and the new heavens and the new earth. 
uh, a transition between this life and the life of eternity, a, a life that's marked by complete joy and uh, goodness. But before that joy and goodness begins, there's a, a moment of reckoning, a day of judgment. And uh, that's a day when it's a day of accountability, accountability to a standard of justice that is very high, a standard of justice that is higher than a you and I could set, a standard of justice that is higher than we might prefer. What's that standard of justice like? Well, it involves tests of love, Jesus says. Love for neighbor and love for God. How are we doing at seeking our neighbor's advantage as naturally and as gladly as if it were our own? How are we doing at, at continually being more mindful of someone else's good than we are of our own? How are we doing in that love for neighbor category? Are we going to pass that test of love? Jesus also says, hey, there, there's loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How are we doing at that test? Have we ever wrapped our hearts around something that was never meant to take central place in the life of a human being? It might be a good thing that's meant to have a place in the life of a human being, but it's not meant to be the center. How are we doing at that? Have we wrapped our heart around God, who is meant to be the center of a human life, or around something else? That something else could be family. It could be career. It could be accomplishment, achievement. It could be the praise that comes from accomplishment and achievement. That thing that you wrap your heart around, it's, it's relationships, it's romance, it's physical intimacy with other people and the the kind of affirmation that that brings, all kinds of things that we could wrap our hearts around that maybe are supposed to be a good part of life but are not meant to be the center of any life. That's the day of accountability, the day of the Lord, the love tests. Did, did, how did we do on those? Loving God with all of our heart and loving our neighbor as ourself. And that's why the prophets ask this question over and over and over again. Who can endure it? Who can endure it? It's a rhetorical question, right? It's not an invitation to go out and make a list of the people we think are, are maybe good enough to pass the test. It's a rhetorical question. Who can endure it is an invitation to say, no one, nobody. That brings us to one of the First practical aspects of returning to God, repenting, repentance, can't start until you let go of something. you got to let go of the hope of being a good person. Because here's the thing, good people don't fail love tests. Good people don't fail tests of justice. Good people are loving and just. Good people don't wrap their hearts around the wrong thing. Good people don't have wrong priorities. Good people love their neighbors and, and are just as glad for their neighbor to have something good in their lives as for themselves. Good people are like that. But who can endure it? Nobody's going to pass the test. Nobody gets to say at the end of the day, I was a good person. 
If you want to be able to repent, if you want to be able to heal this relationship with God, and, and there are applications for any relationship with any other person, if you want to be right, if you want to be the good one, that healing is never going to happen. You got to let go. If I'm a good person, would I need Jesus to live and die and rise again to undo the damage that I've done when I fail to love in ways that I'm supposed to love? It's more than we can endure. Now, that's not the fullness of everything that God wants us to know. So he sends prophets and he sends his son to tell us the fuller story. There is a way to endure that day of justice, that day of judgment, the day of the Lord. As, as dreadful as facing that evaluation and accountability may seem, there's a way to endure. And Joel uses the word return. Return to me with all your heart, verse 12 says. Even now, even as that day of the Lord is approaching, and even as God himself has just said through his prophets and through his son, no one will be ready to endure it. No one will be ready to pass the love tests on that day. Even now, you can return to me with all your heart. Now, this is helpful to us to listen to this language because it, it helps us avoid some of the traps that we associate with repentance or repenting or with apologizing, saying we're sorry, to try to heal relational damage that we have caused. One of the traps is that it becomes self-centered. But listen to how God speaks. He says, return to me. That is, repentance is not just about wholeness for one person. It's about wholeness between me and someone else. Hey, you need to return to me, God says. There are two parties involved in this returning. There are two parties involved in repentance. Self-centered repentance, one of the traps we can fall in, says it's really all about me. I'm feeling kind of bad right now. Calvin, because my poll numbers are down, you're disappointed with my performance as dad, so I'm feeling bad, and I want to feel better, and now will you tell me what I have to do to make myself feel better? That's a very self-centered understanding of repentance. It's all about me getting out from under a cloud of guilt or me getting you back on my team. It's all about me. But God says, return to me. Repentance, true repentance is never just about me. It's about me having wholeness with someone else, whether that's with God or with another person. Right? Second trap we can fall into is uh, a half-hearted repentance, a repentance that's a kind of very formulaic. What are the steps I have to go through? I said I'm sorry. Wasn't that enough? How many times do I have to say it? Right? Well, I, I broke your car, so I'll pay to fix it. Isn't, isn't that enough? Listen to what God says. Return to me with all your heart. 
your whole self. A broken heart, verse 13 says, rend your heart, tear your heart, show that your heart is broken because of the relational distance that you have caused. Tear your heart and not just your garments. Now, we don't do this anymore in our culture. But in the Old Testament and in some cultures today, the way you show grief was to go, like, just rip. Rip the shirt. Tear your... It was an outward expression of a broken heart. And here is God saying, I don't want the outward apology without the broken heart. Nobody does. When somebody comes to you and it's clear that all they want is a checklist so they can do what's expected of them, I did it, I'm sorry, isn't that enough? You know there's nothing going on in here and that's not satisfying. That kind of half-hearted repentance is a trap. Return to me with your whole self, God is saying. And that's why these behaviors listed in verse 12 are so important. They're showing their behaviors that show that our deepest desires are changing. Return to me with all your heart, fasting and weeping and mourning. The tears cried over the damage we've done to God's heart. The tears cried over the hurt we've inflicted on other people show that our deep desires are changing. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to be like this. God, I don't want to feel far from you. And I'm sorry. It's a wholehearted kind of repentance. Notice the assumption. If you and I are returning to God, it involves a transformation of the whole self. Not just our outward behaviors. Those are included. Weeping, fasting, mourning, grieving but also this deep transformation in the heart. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. What has the power to change us in that way? The prophets give us an answer. Joel gives us an answer. Jesus gives us the same answer because he's coming to fulfill every promise the prophets ever made. The power to return, the power of repentance is good news. The gospel. It's so important to look at the details of Scripture Because if we don't, we could get this really wrong. Listen to the, uh, the sequence of events that Joel uh, talks about. He says, Return to me with all your heart, declares the Lord, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Notice the details. How different would it be if Joel wrote this? Here's what the Lord declares. Return to me. Rend your heart. 
and then he will be gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. It's so important to notice the details of Scripture. And that's how we stay out of another trap. This is heavy. That's the name of, of Patch's truck. Um, and, and this is heavy going up a rock that I thought, there's no way. So back in April, Patch took me with him uh, to uh, Utah on a four-wheeling trip. Great fun. Did you know it's 18 degrees at night in Utah in April? I learned some things on this trip. That's one of the things I learned, right? Uh, I also learned that Patch's little tent is really warm, even on 18-degree nights. Um, I didn't think it would be, but it turns out it really is. I learned also something about a little button on the dashboard of Heavy that turns on the rear differential locker. There, you know everything I know about auto mechanics now. If you press this little button, Heavy gets more power and more traction to go up big stuff than he has if you don't press the little button, right? There's a thing under there. That's the technical automotive term, a thing. And when you press that button, the thing goes into gear, and then you go up the rock. That's how a lot of us think about healing damaged relationships. It's like, it's like somehow I've got, to, I've got to press a button that, that causes compassion to switch on in the other person. This other person is angry with me. I've got to press the right button to make them happy with me again. And we transfer that to our thinking about God. God is angry with me. He is disappointed with me. I have offended him. I'm not passing the love test, at least not at his standard. Maybe I'm not as bad as I could be, but I'm not passing it at Jesus' level standard. And so i got to find the button, and that's what repentance is, is me finding the button to switch on God's compassion. But do you hear, do you hear what God is actually saying? If that is your model, right, if God's compassion is that big rock, and the only way you can get up it is to do the thing that switches his compassion on, then God gives you permission to let go of that model right here and right now and to replace it with something different. The power to return is not your ability to switch on God's love for you. The power to return to God is the good news of what He is like. Don't take my word for it. Take the words of God's prophet and God's son for it. Return to the Lord your God, says verse 13, for he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and he abounds in love. Do you hear that? He is eager to show compassion to people who cannot endure the day of the Lord. He is eager to show compassion to people who won't pass love tests. He is eager to show compassion to people who have forgotten the most basic thing about being human, 
which Jesus says is love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And we have blown it. And he's eager to show compassion to people like that. The same God who says, who can endure it, says, hey, Joel, remind them, this is what I'm like. Tell them the good news that I am gracious and compassionate toward people who cannot stand the test of justice. Tell them the good news that I'm slow to anger. That their model of me as as Calvin with a clipboard waiting to take down their low poll numbers and then flash it back in their face and say, I am really disappointed with you. Your dad performance numbers are down. Tell them I'm not like that, Joel. Tell them I am slow to anger. Tell them that what I'm full of is love. I am abounding and overflowing in love. Tell them the good news, Joel. That I'm a God who, verse 13, relents from sending calamity, disaster. Tell them I'm a God who turned the disaster of justice on my own son so that I could turn my love and compassion toward them. Tell them the gospel. That is good news, Joel. Tell them, because that is the power that will bring them back to me. Return to the Lord your God. Why? Because he is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love. And so it's no wonder that when Jesus shows up, he says exactly the same thing. The time is at hand. The day of the Lord is coming. The kingdom of God is near. So repent and believe this good news. The good news that there is a God like this to return to. You don't have to switch his compassion on because it was pointed toward you long before you ever knew anything about him. It is who he is. We're talking here about a dance. And if I say dance and and you suddenly freeze up because you're remembering that ballroom dancing lesson where you could never quite get the steps right, or you're freezing up because you're remembering seventh grade and Lisa Gambrell asked you if you wanted to dance and you were like, A, I don't know how. B, what are the guys going to think of me? C, she's a girl. (laughs) Dance, freezing up. Or maybe you're freezing up because you're remembering uh, you did learn some breakdance moves uh, in your past and you don't want the footage to resurface. (laughs) This is a different kind of dance we're talking about. This is a dance of relationships that are whole. Where every hurt has been permanently healed. This is a dance of wholeness with the God who made us. He goes first and we go second. He goes first and we go second. First, he is a God who is full of grace and compassion. He is slow to anger and a bounding in love. First, he is the kind of God who would rather send the day of judgment on his own son so that we can be redeemed than to send it on us. He makes the first move in the dance and then he invites us 
to step in. Now return to me. Because I'm that kind of God. He goes first and we go second. You notice how that kind of dancing, like with Jesus being the reason God's inviting us to dance, is going to change everything about our relationships with each other. Because he goes first in the dance with us, and we go second, we're now free to go first in the dance with others. He turned his grace and compassion toward us before we returned to him. Right? Return to me, for I am gracious and compassionate. The grace and compassion are already waiting for you before you return. Because he did that, we, we can turn kindness and gentleness and forgiveness toward people who are angry with us. We, we can turn compassion toward people who may hate us, toward people who may wish nothing but ill toward us. We can go first in that dance. Because we got to go second in this dance with God. And Jesus is the reason we're invited into the dance. It changes everything. You hear what God is saying today. He is not saying to you, Hey, Dad, you're pulling kind of low with me today. Your performance has been poor and I need you to impress me and make me more happy with you. What he's saying is, I am so happy with my son that I am completely happy with you. He's not saying, get your poll numbers up. He's asking if you want to dance. We want to dance. It's what we were born for. Let's pray for a minute. God in heaven, it just sounds foolish. It sounds foolish to offer grace and compassion and love to people who haven't yet said that they're going to change. It sounds foolish to be this kind toward people who haven't improved yet. It sounds foolish to say you're polling as high as possible to people whose performance is as poor as ours. And we begin to wonder if you are squandering the treasures of grace and compassion and mercy. It's why Jesus had to come. It's why he told us parables about a loving father who would run after a prodigal son and embrace him and tell him to stop his rehearsed speech about how much he planned to improve himself and instead be transformed by the embrace of a loving Father. Teach us that you're not squandering your grace 
because you have infinite supplies of kindness, mercy, and love. And so you can waste it on us if you want, and you'll have just as much as you had before. You are not like us. Invite us to return to you, Lord. Give us courage to accept your invitation to the dance. Amen.